0: recorded live
1: Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. This is episode 24. We have a full show. with Worthington Industries acquires Highmark Cylinders. We have lawsuits on behalf of scuba diving business in the Gulf. Volunteers, divers uh, saying state forcing them away from helping at parks. A scuba instructor teaches divers how to blow artistic bubbles underwater. Feds assess the the, uh, threat from a sunken tug. A new discovery in the Great Lakes after 112 years. We also have underwater scooter races in Key West, Florida. And the Asian carp found beyond uh lake michigan electric barrier <sighs> so how are you today jim i'm doing i'm doing really
0: well darren i'm uh kind of overwhelmed by some of the news some of that's uh pretty serious stuff uh there well, how are you
1: doing n- not bad at all uh, it's been a busy week but uh it just makes me look even more forward to the the show tonight yes uh, so uh we had we had a good uh week of diving and uh I, I think we better get started in the news, or we're going to be up till about midnight. So,
0: Oh, yeah, we got to go through that.
1: <laughs> So let's start off with the uh, first one, which is the Worthington Industries to acquire Highmark. Now, uh, I don't think I've got either of these, these uh, brands of tanks. Uh, do you have either of these?
0: Um, no, I don't, and it escapes me the ones that I've got uh, that I do have. Um, <laughs> to be honest with you... <laughs> You shouldn't have asked me, otherwise I'd have known. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but no, these are, um, they are names that I recognize in the industry, though. Um, yeah. uh, so, they're not, yep. no names, that's for sure.
1: Yep. So, uh Highmark, which uh, is a manufacturer of extruded aluminum cylinders for medical oxygen, scuba, and the beverage industries, was acquired by Worthington Industries. The acquisition is part of an ongoing strategy to continue the growth of the pressure cylinder business by expanding some of the existing lines and obtaining new ones, said Worthington's chairman, John P. McConnell. We're excited to add Highmark's products to our current aluminum cylinder offering of metal cylinders, as well as expanding our... Capabilities in the markets that we sell into, including scuba, carbon dioxide, and industrial. We anticipate that manufacturing synergies will be created with existing assets and new products will help position these for growth. Uh, they don't have any uh, Worthington employees, about 6,400 people, operate 64 facilities in 11 countries. Uh, founded in 1955, the company operates a long standing corporate philosophy rooted in the golden rule uh, making money. No, 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 that's I'm wrong. Earning money for its shareholders <laughs> is the first goal, yeah, but uh, so uh, you know it, that's where I'm kind of torn. You know, uh, I'm, I'm all for uh, businesses to consolidate, but I, I hope that there isn't any negative in the market. You know, you want to make sure there's enough competition. But considering I don't have either of these cylinders, I don't see where it's going to make uh, much of a difference to me at this point.
0: Right, right. Well, I, I know that uh, sit down, hold on tight, but scuba is not their biggest uh, their biggest uh, industry that they manufacture oh. for uh um, you know <laughs> i know i know when, uh, and what yeah. other purpose uh, medical oxygen cylinders you know things like that industrial t- they're all just a byproduct yeah. in what i consider a scuba industry but you know i guess there's money to be made in that too so
1: yeah well, you know you never know where their their biggest uh line of business is. I could imagine that. Yeah, you know, and, and by dollars it, it would be interesting. I know a lot of these uh cylinder companies, you know, make all tor- sorts of cylinders, such as uh fire extinguishers, for example. So you yes. figure for every scuba cylinder we have out there there's probably a, you know, three thousand fire extinguishers. So
0: Yep, and it's uh you know, it doesn't the scuba industry is seems to be shrinking, um So I guess we can't order these companies around. They have to go where the money's at.
1: Next article. So let's jump into the, uh, there's a firm filing a lawsuit on behalf of the scuba diving business. Scuba diving businesses along the Gulf Coast region have begun to feel the pinch as the oil spill encroaches on dive sites. Visitors cancel plans to the dive in the Gulf of Mexico. So in Montgomery, Alabama, a law firm has filed a lawsuit against British Petroleum and several other companies with ties to the Deepwater Horizon spill. The firm represents uh, Adventure Sports 2, a scuba diving business, which has incurred damages related to the spill, including loss of profits, business income, and earning capacity. So a uh, scuba diving business has taken a double hit impacted by the actual oil spill damages and fear that surrounds a of the leak effect on the Gulf of Mexico. Even when water is clean and safe, the dive sites are open. Many travelers still avoid the Gulf because of misconceptions about where the oil spill is and fears that might spread in the coming weeks. The suit was filed in the Middle District of Alabama, on uh, Montgomery, and the Gulf. Defendants named the suit are BP Halliburton and Cameron International. So uh,
0: That's a tough one.
1: Well, I. You know I what?
0: Uh, these people have got to replace their lost income, and, and it is a big deal. Uh, the unfortunate part is, I think that the people who are really going to profit off of this whole thing are attorneys. Um, not that attorneys don't have a right to earn a living, um, but I think that's going to be the people who get the largest chunk of the change here.
1: I think you're right. I, you know, as anything, you know, attorneys uh, are going to do well. Uh, I I wonder if there's going to be some sort of system set up to, you know, because this can't be the only one. I mean, you figure how many dive businesses, how many, you know, different groups, hotels, you know, vacations, resorts, all are going to be affected by this, the fishermen. So, you know, we don't want to be tying up the courts. And I I understand that there is also, uh, there's going to be a limit on liability overall.
0: I I've heard that there will be a limit, but I think uh, I think it'll far exceed that, and I, I don't see how they can limit it. Um, I think the government needs to uh, be careful in what they do to try and try and limit the downfall. Um, you know, without getting too political on it, mm-hmm. to shut down an entire industry, I think is a, uh, the wrong knee-jerk reaction. But yeah.
1: Yeah. well, I I don't. Yeah. It's, it's it's a tough one. I mean, you, you <laughs> want it. You, you know, I, I definitely feel for all the businesses that are impacted. It wasn't through any cause of their own, but right. you also have, you know, disasters. So, you know, things happen. Uh, and it's just a matter of time, something like this would happen. Right. Uh, the the next article is on a website that is sharing information about scuba diving conditions in the Gulf region. Mm-hmm. Uh, DEMA. The Diving Equipment Manufacturing Association recently launched a website, and it's www.gulfstatediving.com. The site is updated with real-time posts by dive store, dive boat operators, and other dive industries-related businesses in the Gulf State region to demonstrate that divers are still active and dive sites remain open and free of oil. So this is one thing that the dive industry can do, you know, uh, to get the awareness out. So scuba diving and snorkeling in Florida account for 8.8 million visitor days annually, and more than 4,200 chartered dive trips are taken to the – oh, goodness, another name, Orinsky. Or, or Orinsky. <laughs> I, I think I need to ban all articles that, that have that name in it. Uh, dive-related expenditures – Drive an economic impact of 3.6 million in local output, hundreds of jobs, and 4. million in local income. The negative impact in the economy and uh, 60 billion in Florida tourism can overall be devastating. So, uh, there's a good website to check out. It's nice that somebody's taken the lead on that and come up with a site. We'll have that posted in the show notes. Okay, the next article is uh, Volunteers divers are saying that the state is forcing them away did you get a chance to take a look at this one
0: i did and uh you know i think somebody somewhere made a decision that uh this was a good idea but they hadn't thought through the implication of it it's uh, it's interesting this Wikiwachi, um although i haven't seen it is supposed to be a pretty neat place and it's it's been in business for not been in business it's been open for for quite some time and um i understand that they do uh Shows where people can can view them through large aquarium windows uh, where the, you know, mermaids and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Um, and I what's your opinion on that?
1: Well, you know, there, there do need to be some guidelines. So, you know, at first blush, it looked like uh, that there was just and, and for people to know what we're talking about is that uh, the states uh, change some rules. So you have uh, for more than 16 years. Uh, there's there've been people who have coming down to Marion County to the of Asset Springs to wash windows. So what's happening is these divers are volunteering their time to go and they take these little like scotch bright or little textured uh, scrubbies and they clean the outside of the windows. And, you know, it's, it's gotten to be, you know, like all things with scuba diving, it's, it's a social event. People come out and they do it. Well, the state has now decided that there has to be regulations and everybody who does this has to be rated as a state commercial diver, (laughs) which, you know, for volunteers doing something, you know, because you you go, how far is this going to go? If I do an eco dive down there in one (laughs) of the parks, are we all going to have to be commercial divers? Yep. So what what prompted this is there was a uh, death uh, by somebody doing some work for the state. You know, it was probably a, a subcontractor. And he had a heart attack, and they, you know, and of course, with anything with the state, they panicked and got to looking around and checking, and said, "Hey, we don't have any guidelines." And they concluded that was because this guy was out of shape and not fit to dive that he died. Well, you know, the the guy who did it is the one who paid the ultimate price. So, you know, he wasn't forced to do it. it you know, he chose the line of work. It's up to him to right. keep himself in in shape. You know, it was nobody's fault. It's just. He died. You know, had he been in better condition, maybe he wouldn't have died or then maybe it was his time. But in this particular case, you know, they they've decided they have to have these rules. Now, when you go through and you read some of the rules, they're really not bad ideas. In fact, some of the conditions that they have in there are things that we had to do in open water. But Mm -hmm. once you get your open water certification, you don't have to go back. So, you know, an example included a swimming test for 400 yards and 12 minutes or less. You know, yep. you, had, you had to have physicals which you know, that that one I'm I'm kind of torn on, but you know, you know, is it really the, the state's responsibility to make sure that we're fit for diving? Cuz you know, you kind of wonder how far would this go? I mean, right now they're starting for for volunteers who are doing something that be, can could be interpreted as free work. But how long before they just somebody makes a law saying, "Hey, if you're even going to dive, you have to have a pass a physical," mm-hmm. or do they Does it go into other activities there? I mean, if I'm, you know, a hike to the top of the mountain, I pick up trash up there. Is there going to be some sort of guidelines for health?
0: Yeah, I I don't know. I I'm not sure what the motivation was here.
1: Yeah. So you know. One of the people in the program made a good point. He says, I can't imagine taxpayers being happy with a free, well-run volunteer program being turned into an expensive, over-mangled mess.
0: Uh, that sums it up, yep. doesn't it?
1: <laughs> it sure does. You know. Um... So, uh, In short, it looks like some of the people who are doing it are actually going to go through. But you know, it definitely uh, makes it harder to volunteer, and they're going to have less of a turnout because right. of it. Oh, let's see the next one. We've got the Asian carp again. Uh,
0: Only this time it's not uh, it's not somebody crying wolf or coulda, woulda, shoulda. Um, it's past the barriers. And yep. now rather than saying, well, finding DNA past the barriers doesn't indicate that there are Asian carp in the Great Lakes. Now they're saying, well, finding one Asian carp past the barriers doesn't mean that there's Asian carp in the Great Lakes. Yeah, it's here and it's too late to, to stop the initial influx, I believe.
1: I think so. I mean, you, you, you kind of have to wonder. So what happened is uh, wildlife officials in Illinois have found a, or have been reported that a, there someone has found a 20-pound big-headed Asian carp, and it was six miles from Lake Michigan. Uh, it was found beyond the electric barrier, which is designed to keep the species out this electric barrier uh makes a noise which is supposed to scare them because the asian carp don't like the noise and then if they do get close to it it's supposed to actually shock them so uh but they found it and this is in uh, let's see do they say what lake it is
0: yeah um i closed that window down
1: yep uh, at the time uh
0: lake calumet was it
1: well they they in the calumet river they had uh they did a kill census uh, that ended up in more than uh, 100,000 pounds of dead fish and no Asian carp. I, I could find it before, and now I can't find Asian. Uh, the, what the big risk is for us is that if this gets into Lake Michigan, just the amount of natural species that are going to be displaced by this Asian carp, you know, I, I think that, you know all, all forms of sports fishing is going to change. Now, somebody might argue that, okay, well, now you can fish for the Asian carp, but uh, I don't think any sports mission, I mean, if it was that exciting of fishing, I think everybody would be down in the Mississippi fishing for them.
0: Yeah, I don't see that it's going to be that beneficial at all.
1: Yeah, they they say that the Asian carp like quiet lakes, so I'm hoping that that doesn't mean that they're going to think Lake Michigan's a nice quiet lake. I, I secretly hope that there's something about Lake Michigan that they just don't like and they don't come in here. But I think that's just being idealistic. I think that, uh, you know, they're taking efforts to not do anything. I think what the thought is, is that there's no way to stop them. So why try? So maybe so hopefully, uh, this is a wake up call. There's going to be a new round of lawsuits going on about this again. So, uh, we'll see what comes out of it. Yeah.
0: um, it, it would be nice to see something actively being done, though, rather than the sit on your hands thing. I mean, if, if that is if that is the, the thought and the mindset, it'd be nice for them to say, them being whoever's in charge of this, to say, you know what, we can't stop it. It's going to happen rather than saying the sky is not falling or, or they're not going to come into the lake. Yep. Because to ignore it just sounds...
1: A little too naive. Yeah, uh, but I, I just uh, I can't help but think that's where they're they're heading with this. Okay, the next article: is Feds assess threat from a sunken Lake Chaplin tug. Uh, this is uh, for almost fifty years, a tugboat once hauled barges between Vermont and New York on Lake Champlain. Uh, has set upright in 160 feet, hardly changed since Nove- that November night in 1963 when it ran aground on a reef and went down. Uh, people who dive on it say the paint uh, appears barely faded and the fire hoses remain coiled on the deckhouse walls. Uh, what the concern is is that there's a there's a chance that the Tug's fuel tanks could hold as much as 14,000 gallons of diesel fuel. Wow. Yeah. So uh, they're concerned, but what what I found interesting about this is this is all old news that's being rehashed. Mm-hmm. Tug, so it was in 1963, and uh, the when it was when it was originally found, there was thoughts that uh, that all the oil that there that any oil was probably already gone 30 or 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. So they said at most there was a thousand gallons. Uh, concern grew in 1997 after an oil sheen was found above the McAllister. You know, th- that's where you, 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 you kind of wonder, you know, like here in the Great Lakes, how many ships we have out there. Mm-hmm. And you have to figure even if each one only had 1,000 gallons, we've easily got, you know, huge amounts of fuel out there. And they're probably just slowly leaking up. So,
0: yeah. Uh, it makes you wonder.
1: It makes you wonder. But here, you know, as a taxpayer, it kind of gets me concerned is that they're using money. The, the EPA is using money from the Coast Guard to fund to pay for an investigation to whether the ship poses a wreck. It was $75,000 for the assessment if the tanks need to be pumped out. Uh, the, the ship that could technically own the tug, which is like the successor of the original the company, was, mm-hmm. was f the that the current company was formed six years after the tug sank so they're going through records to figure out you know when these companies formed what assets did they buy what liability do they still have to see if they can go back and charge the current owners because the, the current owners would be the ones who would end up being responsible for it
0: right there was what's some... what's the law on that though I mean certainly there was an insurance payout um on the loss the initial loss yeah um how does how does that work? Yeah, you know, if well, it was full of gold, everybody would want it. <laughs> now that it's full of oil, nobody wants to touch it.
1: Yeah, well, you know, when it went down in uh, it was it went down in November 17, sixty three, the eight crewmen scampered to the safety of the bridge, the bar, bridge barge. It was hauling. Uh, nobody could find anything in the local newspapers saying that fuel had washed ashore. Mm-hmm. Uh, the company who owned it at the time. Considered raising the vessel, which was valued at two hundred fifty thousand dollars, but nothing came of the plan. And the thought is, is that since nobody had said anything about it, that uh, you know none of the fuel leaked out. Uh, there was a study done that said that based on how it was running, there couldn't have been there. There probably was less than a thousand gallons of diesel fuel and it went down. So, oh, here's what I was looking for. The wreck was discovered in 1988. Okay, the next article is, oh, that was a, that was the one we were just on. What did I do that again? <laughs> oh, no, 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 I, I copied the wrong one. Uh, the next article, scuba instructor teaches divers how to blow uh, artistic bubbles underwater.
0: This is what I've been looking to hear about.
1: Yeah, I, I think this should be a new patty course.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, it blowing. will be. Bubble blowing? <laughs> there, will, there will be a C card. Now, now Don't you... try it until you get your C card.
1: Did you see the photo? Uh, oh. yeah. I mean, isn't that impressive? Yep. Okay, yep. so okay, here here we go. Here's here's something else for me to pronounce. Kohishimoto Wakiyama. I I, I I think I got it right. That's the that's the uh, byline there. Lo- that's location. the location. Yep. A scuba <laughs> diving instructor has okay. has has figured out Get how to his create... name. I, I, I haven't gotten that part. Oh Toshi 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 uh, Toshihama uh, Awasaka. It, 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 yeah, I imagine it's being name. a motorcycle. I don't know why. Toshi uh, awasaka. What, what's that guy? I it I could. Know. It could be. Okay. Uh, so he says most divers will be able to learn how to make a bubble ring. Or they find it difficult to copy uh, his exact techniques. He started making bubble rings 13 years ago. He controls the size and climbing speed of the airs by adjusting the amount of air he releases. He has mastered the difficulty in forming an infinity sign by allowing two separate rings to unite underwater. Wow. (laughs) In addition, he has a bubble ring that goes through another ring and ones that are vertical to the seafloor. But in this photo, it shows these rings. It looks like he's trying to make the infinity sign. Mm-hmm. But these aren't like the, like the little, you know, Gandalf smoke bubbles that we try to do, and you get to like the mm-hmm. little ring and it goes up. I mean, this has got to be. Maybe it's just the perspective of the lens, but it's got to be two rings, each three or four feet, you know, diameter.
0: They're cool. I, I've, tr- I've tried almost every time out to do a good bubble ring, and it doesn't work for me.
1: Yeah, I guess we just need to practice. So. That's right.
0: And that means more diving.
1: Yeah. So, and here's another good reason to join a club because what he's what you do is you make inquiries to his diving club, and he uh, uh, teaches air bubble classes. No idea on it, but, uh, you know, wait for Patty. I'm sure they'll have one on this one. Okay, we got on the ships, we've got the golf. Uh, we got the lawsuit. So now we get to the good stuff. Mm-hmm. We have, uh, actually, this is uh, somebody that we know of, Jitka Looks like they found a new boat. A uh, ship was discovered.
0: would be impressive?
1: Yep. Well, I mean, they, they discovered a new boat. It was an old boat. But uh, after 112 years disappearing in Lake Michigan, uh, they, they, they found a new boat on the bottom of Lake Michigan. And uh, this was one of our some, – somebody I know on my, on my friends list. I don't have a huge friends list on Facebook, but somebody's on there. It was uh, Jitka Hanakova. Uh, she, she discovered the uh, ship. She couldn't see anything of the ship until she was down more than 200 feet, and then it appeared. Wow. So the, the ship is the LR Dotty, and it was a wooden vessel. Uh, it had uh, steel arches and bed in the hull, which provided extra stability. Uh,
0: 291 at, feet long. Exactly. That's huge. huge.
1: Yeah, it was big. Uh, it was carrying a cargo of corn uh, when it went down October 25th, 1898. Uh, 17 people aboard, uh, and the ship's two cats, Dewey and Watson, were lost. It's about 20 miles off Oak Creek and 320 feet of water. Not exactly your wreck diving depth.
0: Um, not for uh, not for us rec- recreational divers. That's for sure.
1: Yep. So uh, yike. Yeah, no, knowing Jitka, I mean, she is with a group of tech divers. She has a charter company out there, which we'll post a link out on the website. Uh, she has a boat, the Molly V and uh, she takes tech divers out all over the great lakes to do some of the deeper dives so uh, if you're looking for deeper dives she's somebody you want to look up uh, but uh wow i don't i don't care who you are that's a, that's a that's a deep that's a deep one so they're they're doing trimix and and everything else that, oh my that would
0: be very impressive to, did, did to you? Take a
1: look at. Uh, we're going to have to ask her how she did it uh it was the area was searched with a fish finder uh, a large mm-hmm. bump on the lake bottom in May, and last week the water's calm enough for teams to descend to get a better look. Wow! So sounds sounds a lot yeah, like what, what we're doing over on this side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in in Wisconsin yeah. waters, the same way as it is here, it belongs. The state is protected, uh, meaning artifacts cannot be retrieved. Uh, they're working on getting it added to the his, the state and national registers. There's going to be a uh,
0: yeah, isn't that impressive? Looking at the picture,
1: yeah. Oh, I you know that that makes for great radio describing pictures. But the 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 first one there, and we'll link to the article. This is on the uh, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Uh, It's just an amazing. They got some amazing photos there. Uh, Yeah, that that just I mean, look, it's like the it it's that's bigger than some of the vessels we have today that are putting that are running up to the concrete plant there in St. Joe. I mean, you just, mm-hmm. that is just, that's impressive the size of that boat. Wow. And then, you know, th- those, those old wrecks down that deep are just in pristine condition. So, you know, congrats to them. And there's another nice tech dive location.
0: Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be neat?
1: So the next article, the last one, wow is in this marathon, is uh, a new sport. Uh, Scooter races uh, debut in Key West, Florida. (laughs) That would be fun. Oops. Did I do the wrong URL? It's coming back with nothing. I got nothing. I got nothing. I got nothing. All it's concerned with night now is is uh giving me ads on the page. Is it coming up for you? Yeah,
0: I got it up. Talking about uh a new sport underwater scooter races debut in Key West, Florida. You got it pulled up?
1: Nope. It's just thinking.
0: Well, isn't that great? That's like me trying to log into talk shoe.
1: Well, you you uh, get there, I'll get the talk shoe.
0: Gotcha. Well, it what they've got is uh Underwater scooters, uh, propulsion devices so that divers can can move faster over, cover more ground underwater. Um, They're talking about, and to quote here, it wasn't the typical red-yellow-green-like NASCAR countdown. It was a large hammer hitting metal. Bang, and they were off. Soaring in 100 foot of visibility in 85-degree turquoise blue water, uh, the pilots lapped the deck, uh, maneuvered corners, jockeyed for position, and blasted their machines through the race course. I guess the the people were uh, in boats uh, alongside the course and uh, uh, had underwater horns and uh, it ended up being a, a four minute race. Uh, wow that'd be kind hmm. of fun.
1: Yeah, well, that's what I was thinking. that's why i I thought the articles because I keep looking for stuff you know not that I want to do that all the time, but just to have something wouldn't, wouldn't that be interesting to do? Yeah, it would
0: be kind of fun. Yep. Um, wow.
1: Maybe we need to, maybe we could form an association. You know, the, let's see, the uh, National Association of Underwater Scooters. NAS, NUS- N- NUS? A
0: National Association. Nuisance. You got to come up with something for nuisance. <laughs> it has that has to, to be
1: good. nuisance. <laughs> well, my, my wife's convinced I can come up with something that's a nuisance, so. Right. Uh, I'll right. be all set there. Ay
0: yeah yeah yeah, but that would be fun.
1: Oh my Blow gosh, they oh we're we're slow. Rec Boy. racing league.
0: Yeah, did you see that? Isn't that something?
1: Uh, they've already the beat us to league. it. So that's uh, recracingleague.com. Uh, we'll put that in the show notes. It's going to take me like three weeks to get all this stuff in the show notes just for this episode. Oh, yeah, I guess it's it's I, week. I, I yeah I, I guess there could be. Worst thing, Formula H two under H two O underwater scooter racing. So, (laughs) hmm,
0: underwater Grand Prix.
1: They've they've got sponsors, yeah, scooter manufacturers. You know, actually, if you were a scooter manufacturer, this is something that you've got to be promoting. Yeah,
0: well, yeah, well, big scooters and their lobbyists. Um, you know, uh, in Washington, there's it's a it's a huge driving force, <laughs> ba-dum, ba-dum. Uh, but yeah. no, could, that, wouldn't that be fun? Uh, you put on an application for, say, your credit union or you know your your rental card at the local video store. What's your occupation? Well, I'm a professional scooter racer.
1: Um, yeah, maybe maybe that's something that the scooter industry needs to do is like to change the name of scooters because I mean, scooter doesn't really sound, you know, uh, underwater jet. Yeah, you know, yeah, we'll have to come up with something. Scooter just sounds, you know, so
0: fifties-ish.
1: Well, it does, you know, isn't, and then that's always like, you know, it's kind of almost like a derogatory name, you know. Hey, what are you doing, scooter? You know, just doesn't, just doesn't have that zing to it. It needs needs to be something else. So maybe I'm just bad because I didn't think of it, but
0: a little bit probably, but yeah.
1: that's okay. Yeah. So. uh uh, you know, very very interesting. So, uh, I, I definitely want to try it. So, I'd like to see a hundred foot vis- visibility. <laughs> I think that would be a lot of fun. Well, I think it, it's much more challenging up here. I think that's part of it. Oh yeah. It, I mean, not only you got the scooter, but you have to be able to navigate. Could you imagine going at speed?
0: Oh, uh, say uh, in the river, we've got uh, about
1: oh, two the river foot
0: visibility.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow.
0: Oh, that'd be crazy.
1: Yeah, I'm, not, I, I'm thinking, it would it, but in Lake Michigan, you could do it. You know, we could set up a course. Yeah. Uh, but, but I think that would be part of the challenge. You know, that would be, you know, they would be, you know, so so being in Florida, they'd be the Daytona. So what would be our, our NASCAR equivalent Um, up here? You know, what's, what's a track that you can't see? You know, maybe one that has fog in it. You know, a little <laughs> bit of mud along it. Rains all the time. Uh, right. No visibility. Uh, you know, it's like dirt racing, dirt dirt track racing. I've always that's wondered if right. somebody could do that. So that yeah, we're, we'd be the dirt track version of the uh, scooter racing. So
0: we would be. That's for sure.
1: Okay, and then uh, I just had to mention. I uh, really don't have an article on it, but uh, Scuba in the Media, uh, and it's a show that I watch quite regularly. The MythBusters. And I was watching it last night. And, you know, in uh, Jamie on that show is a uh, a dive master. He at one point in his career had his own uh, dive company when he was really young. So he's got thousands of dives under his belt, and as a professional, you know, he's got his credentials. Uh, not not aware if he's an instructor or not, but uh, he definitely has the experience. But he the one I watched an episode, and they kept saying rebreather, and I'd never seen. You know, and it wasn't a new episode; it was an old one. And they kept saying rebreather, and I just thought, you know, what a bunch of rookies keep saying that. You know, they meant I, th- I kept thinking they meant regulator, but he actually had a rebreather on. Mm. So uh, it was the one where they were in the car, and they're trying to see if you could open the car doors, and you had to let the pressure equalize. So right. he, he was using a rebreather in there, so that he wouldn't stir up, you know, that you know, that his the air being expelled from him being the safety diver in the vehicle wouldn't affect the pressure inside which i right. think about it makes sense but you know i've seen that episode probably three or four times you know, and you know shame on me for not noticing but this is the first time i noticed it was a rebreather so very cool very cool so now it's time to talk about diving ah we our, our favorite subject uh, we, we actually dove together. I think that's the first time we had dove together in, in, almost, in almost a month. But uh, we got a nice early start. Uh, uh, we did. Yeah. You, uh, your son Josh, uh, Bob, and myself went out to Gull Lake. Now, is this the Gull Lake location you had been at before?
0: It, it's the same Gull Lake, but we were on a location further north on the lake. Okay. So it was a new a new spot for us.
1: Okay. Okay. So, you know, I have to say I was pleasantly surprised because I've heard everybody talk about Gull Lakes, and I've dove in a lot of lakes here, and, and I always have a great time diving. But, mm-hmm. you know, everybody seems to have their favorite, and they brag them up to the extent that you you, you almost hate to believe it because it, it's kind of like you get there and you go, yeah, okay. It's uh, sort of akin to a fishtail. Yeah, so— yeah, like I, like I I did the, I mean, and nobody really bragged up Eagle Lake, but I went to Eagle Lake and they said it was fairly clear. And it's like, yeah, it's kind of clear, but it's still an inland lake, mm-hmm. you know, into the beginning of summer, you know, algae going and visibility, okay, but not great. So honestly, that's what I thought I was going to see at Gull Lake. And Gull Lake is a huge lake. I mean, not like Michigan-sized lake, but... You know it's got to be what, ten thousand acres, twenty thousand acres.
0: I couldn't even put a number on it, but it is a large large inland lake, and it's a r- sort of oblong or oval shaped north to south so yeah um
1: and and it's a in, lot of room in. yeah and there's and it's in a populated area, so it's not like it's in the middle of nowhere I mean there's people living on this lake, and uh, this is a nice park they have these uh parks that are around, and this was uh was it a township park or a city park? That was a uh,
0: township park, yes.
1: Township park, and you know it's kind of it's kind of hard to find. I, I think every, everybody who wants to find it can find it, but uh, you had a little gate. You go in, you pay your five bucks for parking, and uh, when we got in the water, it was clear and very clear, very clear. The bottom was nice. You know, a lot of times when we dive at these parks. It's a it's yeah. You know, they've thrown so much sand out there to make it a sandy beach, and then you've got you know, muck and stuff. It was not at all. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a bottom of a lake. I mean, they're not, it's not like it was gravel, but it wasn't that silty, slimy muck that we tend to get used to. Right. Uh, and, and what was nice about it is that the, so the first thing we did is we, is we, we swam out to the buoy, which was probably about 30, 40 yards off ashore. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all went down there, uh, w- looked off to the, uh, I say left, like everybody knows what left is, but uh, I know what left is. Left, okay. So uh, was that west?
0: Is that west? Uh, south, I think. South, because right. we were on the east side of the
1: lake. East side, yeah. So I, I had my compass set, so I knew how to get back. That was my, my priority. But there's
0: no L on your compass.
1: No, for left. No, I didn't say, I didn't say left. But I know I just reversed my navigation. I'll be able to get back in. But we went over that weed bed. Mm-hmm. which was quite a large weed bed. They said it, had, you know, two or three years ago, there was nothing really there, just a little right. short things, but it's pretty well developed. And it it was clear. I would say visibility had to be 30, 40 feet.
0: Um, Maybe a little optimistic, but yeah, it was very good.
1: Yeah. Um, now, when we did get, when we did get down to depth, I think it it went down to, which it, is it kind of odd. It did the kind of the opposite of what I'm used to. At the bottom, it seemed to be about 15, 20. Right. So. Yeah.
0: It, it did change uh, quite a bit, and uh, there was definitely a thermocline.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I had in the 40s for the thermocline. Did you? Yeah. Well,
0: I haven't even reviewed my, my stuff yet.
1: So. Yeah, well, 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 we're here. I mean, we, we've we've got the technology. Let me pull up that, uh, that dive.
0: Um, they've got some neat things that were down there. Uh, the, the weed bed that you were talking about, when we swam up to it, it was like a, uh, a large bush growing out in the middle of nowhere, um, several feet high and, I don't know, what, 8 to 10 feet in diameter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there were some fair-sized fish. Uh, I can't tell because I saw them. I, I could tell because as they tried to get away from us, they kicked up a lot of uh, uh, debris and uh, moved a lot of the, the vegetation trying to hide from us. Um, but it, yeah. it was neat.
1: Oh. Yeah, I, I had that the water temperature at the surface was 68, and and for me 68 mm-hmm. and a seven mil, that's too warm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm 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 starting to overheat. I, I I'm getting to now where I you know I have to evacuate water in and out, or introduce water into my wetsuit to cool down. Yes. So I, I'm starting to actually get good at that, but that's no fun being being too warm. It's hard to believe. It goes back to our theory that warm water is dangerous. Uh, So 68 degrees Fahrenheit is what it was in the surface. And then I had the coldest below the uh, thermocline. We went through one. I don't think we went down through a second one.
0: Um, Not that I could feel.
1: But I had that at 55 degrees. So 55 degrees at 47 feet.
0: Now, let me ask you this. Um, as, As we were talking the 55 degrees to me felt just as cold, um, for a few minutes, um, that we were there as some of the colder water that we had been diving where there was no thermal climb. Um, and my thought is that it's my skin. It wasn't cold enough to cause my skin to get numb, my lips and my cheeks and, and things like that. What do you think about that?
1: It seems possible. I've I've heard other divers talking about that, that in the ice dives, any exposed skin just gets numb.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then, you know, your body's already conserving that, that heat and it's, you know, slowing down your circulation. So you tend to not feel as cold as you do, you know, because up at the surface, you can imagine when we're in that warm water in a seven mil, all the blood's running to the surface saying, cool me, cool me. Yep. And then it's all there, and then you hit that thermocline, plus you're hitting depth, which is compressing the neoprene, and then you're starting to feel that cold. You know, for me, it just felt good because <laughs> I, yeah. I, I was getting warm. So I, 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 it's, it's definitely more of a shock, I think. Yeah, I know that seems odd, but it, it seems to be like, – because I don't I, – I'm one of those people when I get in the water like at the pool – and you're like, you're going down the ladder. I just hate mm-hmm. to get my midsection wet. <laughs> what I just, is with that? <laughs> I have no idea. It's just like, you know, I'm I'm much better just to jump in. Yet I seem, you know, two out of three times I, I make the mistake of trying to walk in gradually. Same with the beach. You know, you're at the beach. You got that six, eight inches of waves. And you get that spot where it just hits that midsection. You're like, oh, Yep, and I,
0: I don't understand it either. I'm thinking, you know what? I love to scuba dive, but I cannot get into the pool slowly to save my life. I, I just can't.
1: Yeah, exactly. You just gotta. <sighs> it's better just to jump in and get it over with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, sometimes you don't listen to your own advice. So when people ask us how can we ice dive, that you know, it's like yeah you know, they say I don't like being cold, and I don't like being cold either. I right. I'm not cold ice diving, and when I start to feel cold, you know, when it, when I don't enjoy it anymore time to get out yep exactly so uh but yeah i I get what you're saying about that and it it makes sense but in this particular case i think i was probably just too warm for it to bother me but we there was a lot to see down there there's uh some old rails along the bottom uh they call train train, track rails train Mm -hmm. track rails and what those were is from uh there used to be a marina a little bit farther down the beach and that's how they used to get boats in and out when they're bringing them in, uh, the season, they would load them. They, they had like a little dolly and they would roll them in the water and then the boats would, would go off it. And then when houses developed, somebody started to take the, uh, you know, they the, they would be down there in the lake swimming and he kept complaining his kids were stuffing their toes on the darn, the darn <laughs> rails. So they asked one of the dive clubs, Hey, can you get, can you move it? They said, sure. And so they moved it. So, I don't know. Did you see those ba- barrels kind of next to the rails?
0: Um, no, nope, I don't recall seeing the barrels.
1: Oh well, th- there were there were some barrels, and I, and honestly, I don't remember seeing them either. But uh, I'm told they're down there. So there were <laughs> there were barrels that they used to float the rails out, and then uh, it was so late in the year that they they left them there. It was like it was like one of those things where you get that last barrel enough to lift it, and when they needed to sink it, they just you know punched a hole in one, and it went down. And the rest floated. And, and they're, they're done. And, and then they're done. So by the next uh, spring, they were uh, pretty much uh, deflated. But they had that. They had the uh, phone booth, you know, the old right. uh, full get inside and dress phone booth.
0: Well, now, when we were talking about that, I'll be honest with you. Um, so our pre-dive, we went over, you know, what we would see and where we would go and everything. Uh, uh, and Bob said there's an old Navy communication booth down there. I thought he meant old as in era, time-wise, U.S. Navy communication. (laughs) Literally, it's the store, Old Navy, communication booth. I I don't know why, I just assumed it was... Well, you know,
1: when when I scraped off the zebra mussels and I saw Old Navy, Mm -hmm. I was convinced that somebody had stuck an Old Navy label on an actual phone booth i don't know because i I I mean i cannot picture i mean i can i've probably been in an old navy maybe three times in my life Mm -hmm. the store so i don't know they could have 20 of these in the store and i would have no idea (laughs) but i can't picture what a retail establishment needs with a old navy phone booth is it like a prop maybe
0: well they're talking mannequins have to have a place to call one another
1: Oh, that's true, um, the, the creepy old Navy mannequins? Yes. Yeah.
0: Um, so, you know, I guess that's, there was a fax machine and stuff, and in, in, uh, when I picked it up, they had asked for my son, so I handed him the phone, but he said nobody was there. Uh, so I don't know.
1: Well, so, I, I thought it was kind of nice to add the fax machine on the roof, because I figured that was where it was getting better reception.
0: Right, because it looked like it was cordless. I didn't see any lines.
1: No, no, it, it, was, a, it was a wireless fax machine. That had to be, you know, all that modern technology, because, you know underwater you have to fax yes so they had that they had that uh they called it a dive platform to but to me it looked like it, uh, it was like a, a backstop for a uh, baseball field turned on its side because oh. <laughs> they had that uh, that chain link fence on the top that was kind of sagging uh, let's see what else was there down there? there. There was quite a bit to to see. It was a it was a it was a pleasant dive. There's enough to keep your interest, and it's nice when you have a site like that where I think I could do another tank uh, and still have things to see.
0: Right, and and I it would be a neat place. It's uh, you know, it's not. I don't know. It's not an exotic location, but it was a nice dive.
1: Yeah. And when we went in, we we got there right away. I mean, in fact, uh, you opened the park up <laughs> when you yeah. got there. Wait, wait. literally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and I think you would have helped the guy if you'd actually had a lock picking set and you could have helped the uh, the employee get in.
0: I would have thought I, that. I would thought about it, but that would have raised a lot of questions. Um, <laughs> why I had that, and
1: how do you <laughs> how know, we huh?
0: got in so quick, and you know, just things that I really didn't have time for.
1: Yeah.
0: But, as a side note, um our area has been getting some very severe thunderstorms, um, uh, straight line wind storms and things like that recently. And one had gone through that area the night before. Um, and my son and I drove up and we got there plenty early. Um, and we drove around the area, kind of got to know the area a little bit and stopped into a little uh, uh, store and uh, all the lights were out, but he, the sign on the front, had been flipped to open and the door was propped open so we kind of walked in um, and he had said that they had lost power the night before and he had went and got a, a generator to keep his uh, refrigerators and freezers and things going like that uh, so I kind of expected maybe we'd have a problem getting into the park um, but I think somebody just <laughs> overslept or something like that we didn't get in what was it about 20 minutes after nine
1: yeah uh, and they're supposed to open out of- it like at nine yeah but I noticed that we were the only ones there at nine. So I'm having an idea that this might not be uncommon for this location. So, mm-hmm. you know, so I because we when we went in, we were the only there might have been one other car rolled in about the time we were gearing up. Yeah, I think there might have been another one starting, but it was pretty much the park was deserted. But when we got out of the water, there's like all the parking were loaded and there had to have been 20 divers kidding up. Yes. Yep. So, there
0: were divers everywhere. So that was good to see.
1: It, it, you know, it was because of how much diving. It's like, you know, we around us, it, if we're in our area and we're diving and we see another diver, we know who it is. <laughs> it's yep. Just, yep. It's, it's, it's rare for us to, to not know another person going in the water anywhere near us.
0: And I be, almost felt normal. You know, I'm kinda of like, oh, there are other people like us
1: out yes. here. Yeah, there's there's more scuba obsessed people than we realize yes. that we're coming out and there were scuba obsessed people in training because it was kind of fun. You know, Not that I consider myself the super experienced, but we've gone beyond that point where it's hard to get the wetsuit on. And then to watch without staring as people are spending thirty minutes to getting into the wetsuit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's, it's not funny, but it is. Um, oh, it is.
1: Because we, it, and we laugh because we remember it. You know, we remember that first yeah. fitting in the store. and That and doesn't
0: feel right.
1: Well, the first thing they do is when, when you first go into the store, they hand you a wetsuit that, wet that somebody just turned in the night mm-hmm. before and it hasn't completely dried out. <laughs> so, right. So, you know, it's a little sticky and you're trying to get it in. And after... You know, it doesn't quite fit right, and you're thinking, oh, gosh, now i got to get it off. Like, and you don't know, you know, uh, like for the first three or four times I put on a wetsuit, I start to put it on backwards <laughs> so, <laughs> because it's like, you know, you're used to things zipping in the front. You know, my pants zip in the front. Right, my right. jacket zips in the front. You know, the wetsuit zips in the back. So, you
0: know, your you're, wife's you're, clothes zip in the back.
1: Exactly, you know, I look like a woman. So here you go, and then you like you start, you start putting it on, and you're like, oh, and you flip it around. So, but yeah, watching all those people, just you know, the, the effort and the detail, and it's like mm-hmm. there there was quite a few uh, instructors there. It looked like as well. Mm-hmm. So, but a, a good turnout. So yeah, it is it is nice to you know, to feel like you belong to a larger community of just yourself when you're diving. So I would love to see that down by here. You know, it's like I'm, I, I would get a bulldozer and carve out a lake. If I knew I could make a gull lake like that, that was just, uh, I, you know, and I don't understand what makes one inland body of water of similar depth. Be that clear. And another one is just overloaded. You know, is it uh, runoff from creeks? Is it farm and animal pollution? Is it, Pollution from houses. You know, I'd love to know so you could kind of, you know, take action if it's something that we've caused. I mean, if it's nature, that's one thing. But if we've done it, I definitely would like to not be doing that. Mm-hmm. Just just for purely selfish reasons for diving. And and yes, the, the fish, I mean, there were some good-sized fish down there. Mm-hmm. You know, Bob and his rebreather next to me, you know, he, he was... You know, the, the fish on his side didn't seem to be quite as spooked as my side, but uh, there, we did a little safety stop there at the end. And uh, there's there's one fish uh, just staring at me. He was a good-sized, I'd have to say, uh, you know, maybe 12, 14 inches. Every, everybody in, the, in the, the great oceans is laughing. That's big. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Well, you saw some lobsters, right?
1: I, I, th- I thought that somebody <laughs> had eaten lobster and thrown the shells in because these, you know, my experience with crayfishes, these little tiny pond type of crayfish or creek crayfish. Right. I mean, the biggest one was the one that my dog was playing with that we had to reintroduce. And those are four or five inches. And these yep. were small lobster that we would get in the... Grocery store, you know, out of the live tank size, you know, I, I would say easily over a pound. This crayfish, Ugh. and I, because you know, I had it in my hand and I was playing with it, you know, doing a little puppet show, and uh, I, I just could not believe how big it was. Well, the, what's what's weird is it is I had seen in the SAS newsletter that they have that lobster thing at Gall Lake, right. But, what they do there is they actually put in they seed the lake with plastic lobsters, you pay an entry fee, and if you find a plastic one, you bring it up and you exchange it for a real one that they cook so it's a, uh it's a little of incentive, but I was thinking that somebody you know it's like a you know you had to actually go and get your own <laughs> and and eat it down there, obviously because I can't know how you explain the shell, but i uh, these are pretty darn big crayfish.
0: Yeah, they can get pretty big, wow. but you just saw the, the remains, right?
1: Yeah, I didn't see any alive. Now, you, you dug one out of the hole, didn't you?
0: Yeah, we, uh, m- my son and I uh, kind of headed up, and uh, we found a couple of uh, little lobster dens is what I'm going to call them now, but they were where crayfish had uh, made a little den, and we we're playing with a couple of them and uh you know they were small ones not the menacingly large ones that you were had the experience with but these were little fellas um and they were they were blending in pretty well with their environment and uh it was kind of neat to take a real close look and watch them moving around so we saw probably three or four i guess
1: because i i'm looking at those those large crayfish and i'm thinking Yeah, you get 40 or 50 and you have the makings of a good horror movie. You know, like Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds, we could have The Crayfish.
0: I'm sorry, you cut out for just a second. I lost right before Crayfish.
1: You lost right before Crayfish. Uh, I was just saying that, you know, how Alfred Hitchcock had his movie The Birds? Yes. We could have, uh, you you know, with about 20 or 30 of those, you could have a movie The Crayfish. I think so. I think so. It would
0: be uh, there wouldn't be very many speaking parts in that one though, would there?
1: Well, it'll be all be like sign language and gestures and stuff. Right. It would be it'd be a bestseller. It would outdo Titanic. I'm right. Convinced. So, but yeah, that was that was a nice dive. You know, I I plan on going there. You know, like I like you know they say the three best lakes there uh, is. You got Lake 16 that we dive in. Uh, you've got uh, the Gull Lake and I don't know. What they call in Cora. Was that the third one? Yeah, yeah. So, and Cora was good, but I mean, this was much better. Uh, so, gosh, I would have there towards more. I mean, Lake Michigan just seems to be the best dive this time of year if you can mm-hmm. get out there.
0: Yeah. Well, it, it changes with the seasons. When when the water starts getting cold and the boat traffic goes down, you know, we'll be back in the river. And yeah, um, it, it just. You know, the ice dives are super clear, um, you know, so every, every body of water has got its season.
1: Yep. So, uh, but but after the dive, we went to the dive store, and uh, I never did hear about the end result. Uh, you you had actually got talked into trying on a, a dry suit. I refused to try one on because I, I have to take it out of the store with me.
0: Right, right. <laughs> well, yeah, We, uh, you know, I've been looking at them uh, pretty hot and heavy for months now and, uh, there at, uh, SAS, they, they talked me into trying on one of the bare, uh, um, next gen, uh, wet or dry suits. And it was, uh, you know, I have to say it was a very, very nice, comfortable, uh, uh, comfortable, uh, suit. You know, I tried it on with some thermal undergarments and things like that. And, uh, Bob was, whispering in one ear about, you know, should do it and everything. And and uh, it was, uh, I don't know, pretty neat. Pretty so, neat. And so I that. have to say, I look very uh, uh, very uh, uh, Iron Man-ish with that thing on. Yeah. Uh, with the big thing right in the middle of the chest. and
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: What the heck, uh, you
1: know? But, but they didn't talk into getting one yet.
0: No, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> not yet it's funny as we're standing there looking at a table of stuff my phone rings and and it's my wife and um you know how you doing uh are you at a scuba shop uh-oh my heart stopped <laughs> what do you mean am i at a scuba? how do you know
1: <laughs> you got gps turned on
0: oh yeah I, I found out how she knew but
1: uh oh my uh...
0: goodness i'll have to watch that a little closer next time
1: yeah, but, yeah.
0: so yeah we're i are still trying to figure out a budget for it. I, I had it all allotted, and, and you know how that goes. Best, yeah. uh, best intentions.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I know. I, I I I was like, oh, you you can't get one yet, then I'll have to get one. <laughs> I was telling my wife. She's like, oh, did he get it? I'm like, no. She goes, <laughs> 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 yeah. So she she was she was relieved because she knew that the pressure would be on. You know, I'd be selling. You know, I, I, the kids. I've already had them appraised, and they're not going going for much. So. Uh, you know, the the horses could bring a little bit. I think I could probably, if I sold all the horses and the tack, I I would definitely have enough for a dry suit.
0: Um. Well, ooh, the price to pay for that may not be what you want, though.
1: Yeah, half of everything I've got. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or over half from or the stories half. I've heard. Yeah. depending on who you talk to. Well,
1: you know, she has been making me a little nervous. On her side of the bed, she's had a steak knife laying on the nightstand. So what does that mean?
0: Well, the glass half full guy would say that you're in for a good dinner tomorrow. The glass (laughs) half empty may say it's your last dinner tomorrow. (laughs) So I guess it's all in how you look at it.
1: I've been meaning to ask her, but I just haven't worked up the guts yet, so uh yeah yeah so but uh yeah so the dry suits uh we'll have to do something so uh we always like to hear about your dry suit story so if you have any uh dry suits out there that you're especially fond of let us know uh you know because it's like it's like you, you what's unique about the dry suits is is it's like anything whatever you own is your favorite and there's a lot of opinions uh the ones I that I actually tend to believe most are the people who are on their third dry suit. Yeah, you know, right. they
0: right somebody who's not who who's not so proud of their um, purchase that they wouldn't admit a mistake. Yes, yeah. that's important.
1: Yeah, because I mean, part of it is you know are you just convincing yourself that was the best dry suit.
0: Because, yeah, I didn't waste my money.
1: <laughs> yeah, or you couldn't afford the best, so you've got to make you know whatever you got make do with. You got to make sure that's it. So you know, let us know because because you, you, you got even. You know, because there's, you got the tri you got the compressed neoprene, you've got the neoprene, uh, you know, and there's a lot of newer styles to boot. Uh, and then the boots, you've got the, boots uh, hey, do, you, do you want the rock boots? Do you want the socks? You know, I have Kurt saying, you don't want the rock boots. You want the, I mean, you don't want the right. socks, you want the rock boots. But then right. they're saying, you know, and go with the socks because if you want to sell it, you know, somebody doesn't have to be your exact foot size. Right. And then you can just wear. I mean, I've already got wetsuit boots. I can put it over.
0: Right. Frankly, you know, I, right now I wouldn't know the difference. The, yeah. You know, the step up in cold water from wet to dry would be huge enough. And then once I've got that experience, perhaps I'd uh, I'd be able to to differentiate to be I you know.
1: Yeah. Well. Really. Plus, I'm. I mean, how much of that stuff? Because you have people talk about replacement parts on dry suits. It seems like it's something that you could, like, I could get. Could I get the rock boot after I've already got the sock? I mean, could they just like retrofit that? You know, like cut the bottom of the sock off and then glue and seam it.
0: Oh, oh yeah, I'm sure that there there are a lot of things that could be done after the fact. You know, yeah. um, and then you start talking about the life of the dry dry suit. Um, you know, after years, you start to have your repairs come closer and closer in time um at that point it's time to replace it so these aren't these aren't lifetime investments you know you got they they cost you each dive that you use them you know just like anything else so uh you know in a couple of years i'll I'll be a better consumer than i am today i guess
1: yep i hope (laughs) so yeah that's kind of the same thing so i just you know send us your notes on them what you like in your dry suits uh we'll, we'll go through Uh, Also, make sure it's a good time to talk about uh, Facebook. We have a Facebook page, so if you uh, head over to Facebook, type Scoob Obsessed, uh, you'll find us right there. We've got uh, an active community going on over there. Uh, Love all our fans. Uh, Some great conversations going on there. Also have the forums on the website. Head over to the website, uh, www.ScoobObsessed.com. And give us some suggestions, anything you'd like to see, not like to see, uh, more news less news, tighter script, no scripts wing it guests Also a <laughs> guest uh, you know if you know somebody who you think that we'd be interested in having on the show let us know uh, i I've, I've been kind of lazy lately getting guests on but uh, I need to go and do that. I got a few that I have talked to who said yeah they want to come on we just got to make that happen uh, Speaking of guests, we uh, we also need to figure out when we can get the white star.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that's one of those things. We just need to do it to schedule it.
1: Um, yeah, we're gonna you know, have to. My,
0: my schedule is not of the sort that I have a lot of. Uh, just hey, let's uh, on a whim, let's go do this. Usually, I've got some stuff uh, scheduled out, and if I if I try and uh, do it without planning, it won't get done. I don't know if you know what that's like.
1: Oh, definitely. Uh, just tonight, I was talking to my wife, and you know, the kids do a triathlon every year, and the kids opted out of the triathlon. Because I realized that they wouldn't be able to get there. We're going to take them to uh, one of the amusement parks, Great America, and right, uh, it was getting to be the choice. You know, they had to make a choice because we, you got this going on this weekend and that's going on that weekend, and it just everything all stacked up, and there's just no time left. So, uh, have to make time for it. Speaking of that, when's our next next dive?
0: Well, um, I'm looking forward to something this this weekend i'm not sure if it's going to be saturday morning or sunday afternoon um tentatively i'd like to do something sunday afternoon are you available
1: i think i am but i just have a sneaky feeling that i've got something going on sunday afternoon saturday morning i've got uh, boy scout rocket launch with my son in the den that i'm a Those leader are of
0: fun they're a blast they
1: are so i, I definitely gonna enjoy that the bad thing is uh we just picked up the rocket on monday <laughs>
0: <laughs> Your paint's still gonna be wet.
1: <laughs> well, I we haven't even started putting it together yet. I got the glue, that's, so that's gonna be tomorrow night. Oh yeah, we've done that. You know, you you only, know
0: sticky sticky rockets still when you're launching them. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
1: So why didn't the parachute come out? So. Uh, so
0: any, anyway. And then, so and, um,
1: then, uh, and then Lily midday Saturday has a riding and jumping lesson for her horse, and oh, then okay. Saturday, Saturday evening uh, I've got a graduation for my niece. So, ah, very good. Yeah, so darn it, I was hoping, you know, somehow in there, because you know, I look at that and I go, oh, I got time for a dive. But, like, what do we do? We did that dive on set this last Saturday, got up at 7, left, and I got home at 4 p.m.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's got to be a way to trim that a little bit.
1: <laughs> I'm thinking so. Well, we, <laughs> we definitely did. Uh, I mean, it was a nice relaxing day, but yeah, it was. We, we definitely need to come up with some strategy for some, Quick dives, you know, for those weekends yeah. you don't have time, you know, have have a goal of, of being home by a certain time and then making yeah. it. Sticking
0: to it, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, that, 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 that's a problem with some of these shallower dives, and, and you get better uh, surface air consumption rates, is that my dives are going longer, which means yeah, that bottom time's great, but I, I want to use the whole tank, you know. If that, right. tank, if that tank's not being sucked in, then, so. Yep, right. Oh, gosh, so. Yeah,
0: but but then in addition to that, I'm I'm kind of thinking a uh, uh, maybe a midweek dive uh, next week.
1: Um uh, yeah. I don't know
0: what you think about going out and revisiting the South Bend uh, on the evening next week.
1: Yeah, you know, I think I think we should. I would I think that'd be a good a good wreck. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, over in Diamond Lake. Yep. We, we've got the South Bend, and then also. Uh, Uh, one that we've got that we could do is the, uh, we've got the Muskegon out there in Lake Michigan. We got to get, we got to get you and Josh down to that. That's a nice wreck. That's that's right off
0: of, uh, Michigan city, right?
1: Michigan city. So that's a good one. Yeah, The South bend wouldn't be a bad, one. that wouldn't be a bad night dive diamond lake.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm thinking, uh, early evening uh we've still got some daylight uh with uh summer here and the, yeah. the sun staying up much longer now mm-hmm. uh, you know take advantage of some of that
1: certainly so that we definitely have to go and uh, get one of those in
0: so but that's that's this coming week that's what i'm hoping for
1: yep Okay, so uh, yeah, we'll have we'll have to do that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm trying to get all my windows back open.
0: Oh yeah, and we lost uh, talk shoe at nine nine thirty seven. As far as uh, so, we may have lost everyone except for what we're going to play back in uh, in the recording. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, I I, I still have TalkShoe recording here, but I don't know if Mac's still on or not.
0: He uh, he via email said that he got dumped at um, let's see here
1: nine thirty seven. Well, that's no
0: fun. No, it's not. It's not, and I haven't been able to log back in since about that time. So
1: <sighs> okay. That's so, always
0: what you want to hear.
1: Yeah, that's always great, but you know, it's like what I've said before, it's what we're paying for, it which is free.
0: Yeah, so, exactly, so, exactly. Uh,
1: and and I feel better now that I see that I haven't lost my recording is still going on, so we've got the high quality recording going. So I don't quite need my net. But uh, do we have any last words before? Oh, you know, Twitter, follow us on Twitter. I'm. Right. Uh, Darren Jilson, D-A-R-R-I-N-J-I-L-L-S-O-N, uh, on Twitter, and your Jay Kleeman, J-K-L-I-E-M-A-N-N, on Twitter, and we also have the Scuba Obsessed account, Scuba Obsessed, just as it sounds on Twitter. So head on over to there, take take a look at it. Uh, you know, take, check out the website. You know, become friends of us on on uh, Facebook. Always oh, looking for more uh, friends in the Scoob obsessed fan site, and that seems to be another week.
0: I think we've wrapped up episode twenty-four.
1: So that only leaves one more thing.
0: You know, you know that, that that's what we've been waiting for.
1: Yep, yep. So, uh, so uh, if if we're ready, here here we go. Kind of Not like uh, any last rites we have to do.
0: Uh, we're as ready as we. Could ever be, and do I need to wear a blindfold and ask for a cigarette?
1: Uh, we we might have to. So. So here we go. An ambitious IT manager finally decides he's going to take a diving vacation. He books himself on a Caribbean cruise and proceeds to have the time of his life, at least for a while. Uh, At one point, a hurricane comes up unexpectedly. The ship went down and was lost instantly. The man finds himself swept up on the shore of an island with no other people, no supplies, nothing, only bananas and coconuts. Being used to four-star hotels and resorts, this guy has no idea what he's going to do. So for the next four months, he ate bananas, drank coconut juice, and longed for his old life. And he didn't even have a scuba gear. You know, that went down with the boat. So he fixes his gaze in the sea, hoping to spot a rescue rescue ship. One day he was lying in a beach. He spotted movement out of the corner of his eye. It was a rowing boat. And it was a a gorgeous woman who he had never seen before. She rode up to him in disbelief. He asked her, where'd you come from? How'd you get here? Well, I rode rode over from the other side of the island. I landed here when my cruise ship sank. Amazing, he said. I didn't know anyone else survived. How many of you are there? You were real lucky to have a rowboat wash up with you. She goes, Oh no, it's only me. And the rowboat didn't wash up. He he's confused. Then how did you get the boat? Oh simple. I made the rowboat out of raw materials I found on the island. The oars were whittled from the gum tree branches. Oh, the bottom from palm branches. The side and stern came from a eucalyptus tree. But 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 that's impossible, stuttered a man. You have no tools, no hardware. How did you manage? Oh, that was no problem, replied the woman. In the Southside the Island there's very unusual strat of alleviated rock exposed. I found that I could Fire to certain temperature in my kiln. I melted it with deforgeable duct iron. I used that for tools. I use the tools to make the hardware, but enough of that. Uh, where do you live? <laughs> Sheepishly, he confessed, he'd been sleeping on the beach the whole time. So she says, well, let's roll over to my place then, she says. After a few minutes of rowing, she docks the boat in a small wharf. As the man looks out on shore, he he fell out of the boat. Before him was a stone walk leading to this exquisite bungalow painted in blue and white. While the woman tied up the boat with an expertly woven hemp rope, the man could only stare ahead dumbstruck. As he walked into the house, she casually said, it's not much, but I call it home. Please sit down, have a drink. No, no, thank you, he says, still dazed. I I can't take any more coconut juice. It's not coconut juice, the woman replies. I have a still. How about a pina colada? (laughs) Trying to contain his amazement. The man, accepted, sat down on the couch to talk. After they exchanged a story, the woman announced, "'I'm going to slip into something more comfortable. Would you like to take a shower and shave? There's a razor upstairs in the cabinet the bathroom.'" No longer questioning anything, the man went in the bathroom. There in the cabinet was a razor made from a bone handle, two shells honed to a hollow ground edge or fastened to the inside of a swivel mechanism. "'This woman is amazing,' he muttered. "'What next?' When he returned, she greeted him wearing nothing but vines strategically positioned, smelling faintly of gardenias. She beckoned him to sit down next to her. Tell me she began suggestively slithering closer to him. We've been out here for a very long time. You've been lonely. There's something I'm sure you really feel like doing now. Something you have been longing for all these months, you know. She stared into his eyes. He couldn't believe what he was hearing. You mean I could check my email from here? <laughs> oh, so, I think it has to go.
0: And there's a bit of bit of truth to that. I'm you know, afraid.
1: <laughs>
0: oh boy. Uh, well, but it, it lived long and, and held up the tradition.
1: <laughs> well, everybody go out there and get wet and dive safe.
0: Check my email.